What do you do when your mom has had Alzheimer's for more than a decade and you suddenly become her primary caregiver? When I went looking for answers, I ended up creating a podcast. Welcome to Fading Memories. I'm your host, Jennifer, and thank you for tuning in today. This podcast offers advice, wisdom, and hope from caregivers who have lived the experience and survived to tell the tale. Think of us as your caregiver best friend. As caregivers, we know that life is a journey, and with Pharmacy Wipes, you'll have products that support you at each twist and turn. It is important to them that they create products that are both safe and effective while being efficient and practical. For over 15 years, they have been dedicated to providing you with high quality first aid, personal care, and home health care products that truly work. Take a look at their bathing cloths, which are great for caregivers, campers, or messy people. Another great product is their foaming rinse-free shampoo and body wash. This product may help you eliminate bathing challenges. Got odors in your home? Who doesn't? Pharmacy Wipes has an odor eliminator spray that actually gets rid of smells, not just cover them up. You can get Pharmacy Wipes almost anywhere. Your local drugstore, grocery store, their website, and Amazon. When you need specific products, you'll be able to get them fast. Pharmacy Wipes, helping you care for yourself and those you love. Hello, Fading Memories listeners. After more than 225 episodes, I am pleased to tell you that today you get to listen to the other half of the Fading Memories family. I was pleasantly surprised when my husband, John Fink, said to me that he had an idea for an episode. Now, it has taken a bit of wrangling to get him into my office and to make this recording happen, but I am pleased to tell you that the two of us are discussing how you can support your caregiving spouse, partner, or friend. Spoken from the person who had to do that for 20 plus years for me and for my mom, his other mother and best friend. Now you can join important Alzheimer's disease research right from home with Picnic Health. Go to picnichealth.com slash memories to sign up and get $25. What is Picnic Health? They collect and digitize all of your medical records into one online account. Then you can consent to share anonymized data to medical researchers. By examining this real-world data, the researchers can discover answers that can't be found in clinical trials. There is important information in each person's unique healthcare journey, so share your story. If you're caring for someone with Alzheimer's, you can sign up on their behalf and manage their medical records with a Picnic Health account. Learn more at picnichealth.com memories and get $25 when you sign up. You can find the link in the show notes and on our website. Welcome back, Fading Memories listeners, and once again, I so appreciate that you choose us for your podcast listening pleasure. Today, we have a special guest. After four years of podcasting, the husband has chimed in with an episode idea. He was present on the tribute episode for mom after she passed away, but today we are going to be discussing supporting your caregiving spouse 
or partner. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Briefly. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been married to you for 32 years, almost 33. Mm-hmm. And I have supported my caregiving spouse for the entire time we took care, you took care, we took care of mom. And, you know, all the usual stuff, um, kids or kid, son-in-law now, dogs, moving up to the mountains, all that crazy, insane stuff. It's been a little wild last couple of years, that is for sure. Mm -hmm. So you knew my parents almost as long as my sister did. Mm -hmm. So how did my mom's progression into Alzheimer's affect you personally? Well, it was difficult for sure. The, you know, everyone that gets into this situation with this disease always struggles with one aspect of it. The hardest part for me was from the very beginning, and you know this very well, that mom and I got along very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I didn't have a really great relationship with my own parents, and, you know, mom was mom. I mean, she was there for me just like she was there for you and your sister and dad. And the interesting part is, is that mom was kind of like my best friend, so to speak, at the time. I mean, we could talk about anything. Mostly we were complaining about you. Yeah, I knew that was, I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, that's a joke. Um, no, it's not. So we, we, just, we just got along really good. Um, we liked to do things together. You know, I would help her with things around the house when dad was busy with other stuff, mostly Rotary and the Salvation Army and other stuff. Um, but it was hard just watching mom's decline because it's just like this, this slow, painful separation where, you know, one person is detaching from a relationship and they don't understand why. And you can see it happening right in front of you. So it was, it was difficult. So when my dad was in the hospital back at the end of 2016 and we were shuttling mom back and forth between three homes, ours, my sister and hers. Mm Mm-hmm. How did you feel about that whole thing? Because I don't think we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but mostly as it related to how certain decisions affected mom or affected my sister or mm-hmm. never really talked about our specific feelings. It was, it was, you kind of get in that mode where you're just taking care of mom, you know, and it's like the decisions kind of come naturally if you're an organized person, but you know, trying to coordinate, okay, we had certain needs that we had to take care of in our household. Your sister had certain needs with her kids and her family situation. And of course, you know, we were dealing with, um, you know, the caregivers that we would have to have at mom and dad's house. Mom was there. So there was, there was a lot of moving parts and you just get into the, you get into the nuts and bolts of getting everything taken care of and you really don't take a minute to stop and think about how it's affecting what's going on around you and it kind of when you do you just you kind of go crazy it's you get really stressed about okay did i tell this to jeanette did we take care of did we get groceries for our house when we get home do we have dinner um you know did the caregiver that we had the night before were they did they didn't do a really good job did we get another person for the next day to make sure that mom was taken care of especially then when dad finally showed up at home for the short week he was there before he went to the other hospital 
it was just there was a lot of decision making happening and there were a lot of people involved in that decision making so it was really hard to keep track of everything and it was really stressful it was very stressful it was chaotic so you you don't i don't really i mean i know how i felt you know stressed and angry and sad and confused Mm -hmm. but you really didn't have time to just like take a breath and Mm -mm. deal with it Mm -mm. yeah i guess that's why we've never really talked about it because we've never really processed it well it was exhausting because even when we would come home at night or we would be here i I remember there were nights where we would lay in bed and we wouldn't go to sleep because we were thinking about what we needed to do when and you know we couldn't we just couldn't shut it off it was there was too many things that were going on and we just couldn't take a minute to just shut everything off because you you can't because you're making decisions for somebody else that can't make decisions for themselves. So it, it's almost, it, it just becomes very daunting. And I think that's what, a lot of what we were dealing with at the time. So looking back now, it's been slightly more than five years, about five and a half since all this was going down. Mm-hmm. And you said it was hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And it was exhausting. So mm-hmm. those are very bad for our brains. We know mm-hmm. this. <laughs> just, As you keep reminding me. <laughs> just thinking about it is making me tired. Do you have, you know, looking back and knowing the journey that we've been on that time, then and now, like, what would you suggest for other caregivers to, like, how do you, like, shut it off so you can get a decent night's sleep so that you can make a rational, informed decision the next day? I think the most important thing that you have to do is no matter what kind of chaos that's going on around you, you have to find something that you can do that takes your brain to a different place and what i mean is like you know do a puzzle um don't i don't watching television is just mind-numbing you just you want to do something that makes your brain active thinking about something else um i i find it's really interesting something that i've gotten back to and i wish i had done it back then is you know i've gotten back into journaling again and i think that if i had had that opportunity to do that it would have been really good to put my feelings down into paper it was making me think about what was going on and reflecting on what's happening but it was a distraction or it could have been a distraction um i think that when we think about okay well we'll watch television or we'll eat or whatever right that's that's not doing something with your brain and i think that's what you have to do i think you have to do something that makes your brain think about something else and not something that's going to stress you out like work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be something that's going to um, you know take your attention away from what's going on, but then you know also give you something to be active. Now that makes perfectly good sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's very excellent advice that I don't think anybody else has ever mentioned. And we've done a lot of I've done a lot of these episodes, so <laughs> um, so we were shuffling mom and back and forth and. You know, I asked you how you felt about the whole thing and what responsibilities did you feel that you needed to handle? The finances. I think that was the one thing that was critical is like, you know, how are we going to pay for all this stuff? How are we going to deal with the medical bills? I mean, that that's my that's my niche in life, you know, because I was in finance. I was in the credit union industry and real estate. You know, it was real easy for me because I, you know, you always say I speak bank. <laughs> that's true. And it was easy for me to deal with the financial planner, make sure the funds were being transferred into the accounts. So we were making sure that mom and dad's care was being taken care of. I was dealing with the hospital stuff and the billing and whatnot. 
you know, there was a lot of things we were dealing with. It got even 10 times worse after dad passed away because then we had to transfer everything into mom's name and then we had to, you know, work on the stuff with the trust. So that was kind of the thing that I, I felt like I could do where you and your sister didn't have to worry about that stuff. Except that decision didn't necessarily go over super well with somebody uh, well, else. Well, we, yeah, we don't talk about that. That's true. Yeah, it's always going to be, there's always going to be conflicts. There's always going to be, you know, family members that think that they can do a better job or they have a certain opinion. But, you know, quite honestly, the focus needs to be on mom and dad or in our case, mom and dad. You know, if someone else's feelings were going to be hurt, I'm sorry, too bad. It's not that, you know, that's their problem, not mine. My problem or my issue was is making sure that mom and dad were taken care of. Which was definitely the main goal. Mm -hmm. And I didn't worry about the finances because I was trying to figure out, like, what the hell we were going to do. And mm -hmm. I was trying to catch up to the whole nightmare scenario. Mm -hmm. And you know me. I'm the I'm the frugal one. I'm, I'm always mm -hmm. one about getting the bills paid, even though... You're the one that physically does it on the computer. <laughs> well, and, and you were also, I mean, you know, to be perfectly honest, and I'm, and I'm sure that your listeners also know this because I know you've spoken about it before, but you were also dealing with the emotional side of it because, and, and I know this is something that's still sensitive, but I know that you really had a hard time with dad's filter going away because he would say things um, when he was in his moment that were not necessarily, ple necessarily pleasant. And I know that that was really hard for you at the time. Yep. He completely forgot the nice relationship we had. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, it's still an issue. Well, that's, mm -hmm. Yeah, I have talked about it a little bit, but not a lot because he's not the one that had Alzheimer's. That's true. His, but it didn't help you. I think it made it challenging for you to deal with mom at the same time, because. <laughs> do, it, you, it, do you remember when he was being? Uh, I'm not sure a polite term is possible, but an absolute jerk to the caregiver about taking his insulin. Oh gosh. And oh, he got yeah. crossways with her. Oh, yep. And then, so I tried to step in because, you know, basically mm -hmm. verbally abusing people who are taking care of you is a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. And then he was verbally abusive with me. And so you and I were, we had our heads together in the kitchen and we were talking quietly about, I don't know, the jerkness that was my dad's mood at the moment. When my mom stuck her head between the two of us and said, he's being nothing but a jerk. You can feel free to go ahead and tell him to drop dead. <laughs> This was the man that was on hospice at the time. And yeah, it's funny. It was kind of funny then. But it was kind of It's hysterical right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it did it, it, it's a funny story. I mean, it But but you've got to laugh. You, yes. you you know, you you can't There were a couple little gems like that throughout this whole process where you you just you had to laugh because it was the only way that you you kept your sanity. So this is true. While it, my dad was on hospice, our oldest dog died too. And then the daughter moved out. So we had a lovely first two in a smidgen months of 2017. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot. And then, you know, three years later, it was a lot again. So after dad died and all of us quote kids became responsible for mom, what did you think initially was going to happen? Like we all know, all the listeners know that, my dad just assumed I was going to take, we were going to take care of mom. Well, I, I knew, I knew from the get go that, you know, she was going to go into memory care. 
I mean... <laughs> you were going to insist? No, well, no, I wasn't going to insist, but, I mean, it was the... Here's the thing. There's no possible way that mom could have gotten the care that she got if she had been living with us. We we didn't have... It's not that we weren't good at it. It's not that we wouldn't take care of her, but we would have lost the capacity to take care of ourselves as good as we could in order to be able to take care of mom. So because she was in memory care... She was getting the, the attention she needed from the staff, and they were wonderful. I mean, that I mean, I can't say nothing bad about them. They were great, but you know, this way we were able to focus on taking care of her needs, both you know the financial side of it and the 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 mental side of it by you know visiting her, and you would take her on her visits and you know stop children in parks and fun stuff like that. That's an I don't you I don't know if you told that story. Oh, but, like almost every episode. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, you know, so that was, that was why mom had the best care. It it was not a, it, it was not a, oh, heck no, we're not going to have mom in the house. You know, that's not the case. I mean, if push came to shove and we had no choice and we didn't have the means to financially do it, then yes, we would have had to have done it. But I don't think mom would have nearly gotten this good a care or a better quality of life if we had done it that way. I knew after bouncing around between our house my sister's house and mom and dad's house mm-hmm. that mom and I, one of us would not survive a week right. of her living with us right. and, and likely neither one of us would have survived. Well, and, and it was hard on mom too, because you know, she was outside of her bubble. I mean, mm-hmm. she did really well when she was in the house because you always, you know, we always know with Alzheimer's it's the long-term memory. And that's why mom functioned well in the old house was because she lived there for 50 years but once you got her out of that environment, she was just, she was confused. And I mean, she wasn't in the, the throes of the worst in the Alzheimer's at that point. So she was close. She was close. But, you know, um, but that's why it was so difficult because she was, she was all over the place. So. Yeah, it was not fun times. Mm-hmm. But, you know, both of us being self-employed and. It made it easier. I mean, we. What made it easier? Us being self-employed. Could you imagine us having... I'm, I'm just not saying this glibly, but, you know, if we had full-time, you know, 40-hour, 50-hour-a-week jobs that we had to go to every day, every day, it would have been... Even with her in, in memory care, it would have been just a struggle. Yep. It's a struggle so, for a lot of people. It's that, a struggle for a lot of people. I do frequently say that we were blessed that they, you know, we, we rented out mom's house, which obviously... Took care of a majority of the finances. Well, and, but you also... Had you know that was in your wheelhouse? That was my wheelhouse. Yeah. So and we got great tenants, and it was almost sad to sell the house out from underneath them. But we didn't. We didn't want to. We didn't want to continue commingling responsibilities with other people. So we. That was the choice we made. Now we're going to take a quick break for an ad. These ads help me continue to bring the show to you for free. I started using a product that all you caregivers need to try. I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens after my workouts because I needed a quick and healthy way to refuel my body. While there are lots of options, most don't taste great, and I don't eat or drink things that don't taste good. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious, mildly tropical flavored scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to fuel you for your crazy day ahead. AG1 helps support mental clarity throughout the day, and you know how important brain health is to this gal. 
It has over 7,000 five-star reviews and costs less than $3 a day. And you know your time is worth more than three bucks. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. I'm sure you're aware that there may be a connection between poor gut health and dementia, so this is another way to help protect your brain. As caregivers to someone with a cognitive impairment, this is also an excellent way to get much-needed nutrition into someone who is slowly losing the ability to eat. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is also important for brain health, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now back to our conversation. I was looking forward to empty nest syndrome mm-hmm. or syndrome. It was, I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, you know, we were down to two dogs and no, no adult children living with us. And there you was... know, the sad part about that is, is, is actually, it was a little bit of a relief that the kids had moved out because it was one less thing for us to have to think about in the house. Yeah. It was hard to think about ourselves. Exactly. Which, That's exactly what I mean. It, it, it made it a little easier for us because we didn't have to worry about two other people at dinner or what are they doing or, you know, are these things getting done, so on and so forth. So. But we had, we were looking forward to doing things. I know. Like, after not. Well, we, we're doing things now. It just took five years later. <laughs> Which, that's probably going to be another episode. That might be just a gen episode talking about life after caregiving. Mm-hmm. Um, one of I'll these listen state, to that one. When I, thank you. <laughs> what have you listened to? Two? <laughs> Not necessarily my biggest download supporter, but that's okay. We forgive you. So, once we moved mom into memory care and we sort of settled into a routine, what did you feel was your role as her son-in-law? Because we're, we're just going to spill all the tea here. You didn't go visit mom in memory care. I didn't. I didn't. And and I, I, I pretty much had the same feeling that Laura did. And, I'm, and I talked about this earlier. It was a real struggle for me because I really felt like I lost a really great friend. So seeing mom in that situation was difficult for me because I wanted to have, I wanted to keep the memories that we had, you know, as crazy as some of them are, like the as like after she had the car accident and the shopping spree with her and Laura in the middle of Walnut Creek, pushing her around the wheelchair, and she was pushing Laura in the stroller while we're trying to Christmas shop. That yes, was crazy. Yes, if we had just had iPhones in 1991, yeah, that would have been great. We would have had a nice video of the Christmas yeah. shopping train that you were responsible. That, that was that was an epic mom and John moment. That for sure. Um, I I think. My role was to make sure that whatever it is that you needed from me to take care of mom and to take care of what I needed to at the house for you to help you be able to do what you needed to do with mom was where I felt my responsibilities were. You used to take over, this was in the before times, before times being pre-pandemic. Yeah. You used to make dinners the nights I visited mom because Mm -hmm. I was just wiped. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know how people take care of somebody all day mm-hmm. and maybe manage their kids mm-hmm. and the household. I mean, I, I'm fairly energetic and I just, after dealing with her, I just was so mentally drained that mm-hmm. 
dinner was <laughs> was beyond my my uh, capabilities yeah. at the moment. Well, and, and that's and and that's a good point. I mean, you know, when you have someone that can help you support the caregiver, it 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 can be the littlest things. You know, making the bed. You know, doing dinner. You know, all of that stuff. I mean, it just it's it's the little things that add up to something bigger that helps in the long run. That is true. Like setting up dog walking dates with our friends slash neighbors who are finally have finally moved to our new hometown, which was their original idea. And if you guys are hearing dog noises, it's because not only are our two in the studio here, so are the friends dogs. We have the two golden labs and the two golden retrievers. Yes, the house is about to have a blonde hair explosion, but that's okay. We love it anyway. Mm -hmm. So... What would you want a newer caregiver's spouse or partner, doesn't have to be a married partner or a live-in partner, could be mm. their best friend, what would you want them to understand? Like, what is your partner slash best friend, whatever, you know, what what is it they're going through? How is it affecting you? And what do you think people can do to help the person who's physically doing the majority of the caregiving i i first of all the first word in my that popped in my head was patience <laughs> you really need to be patient yes. with your caregiver because they're going through a lot of struggles they're going through a lot of changes and you know we kind of knew i mean we knew at some point we were going to take care of mom but we were thrust into it when dad basically you know lost his mind from the from the diabetes so um so patience is the most important thing and sometimes it's not hard because i i think if you have someone that's a friend or somebody that's going to caregive or help you be a support as a caregiver i think it's i think it's a little bit easier than a spouse because and this is just human nature when you're in a situation where you were the caregiver and i was your supporter you know sometimes things did, were a little rocky because you're trying to deal with a lot of emotions i'm trying to understand and sometimes we had words because i didn't understand how you were feeling you didn't even know how i understand you, you were trying to sort all this stuff out in your head mm -hmm. so i think the most important thing is is that you know they need to have patience i think that's the first thing um the second thing and again this is going to sound cliche-ish but it's it's true is just listen i mean you know i i mean you, you can sit there and start talking about, you know, I did this today and this is going on and that's going on and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, your caregiver sitting there going, but, but I had this and I had that. And it's like, it's not about if, you know, I was excited to see you after, you know, not seeing you. So it was kind of like, oh, we're doing this and this is going on and all this other stuff. And what I really should have been doing and I learned later on was, so how did it go? Let True. you let you go through everything first. And then I, and I, you know, I was mind, I didn't mind playing second fiddle to you. I mean, that's okay. So. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> no, that's true. There were, and sometimes it wasn't quite a long enough drive coming home mm -hmm. after dealing with mom. So I just needed time to like decompress, process mm -hmm. a little bit, which, you know, most of the visits were not awful. Mm -hmm. They were in the beginning because we've talked about, I've talked about. The beginning of memory care when before they acclimate is i've only talked to one person who did not have a nightmare experience with that and she's she's very well aware that she didn't have a nightmare experience with that most people do mm -hmm. but 
sometimes, you know, and sometimes you just want to come home and just like not talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yes, it was normal. You know, mom was mom. And, mom was mom. You know, so, you know I, my favorite stories were when I would take mom and one of the other Dianes out and it would be, you know, the three of us and people thought I was insane. And I thought it was wonderful. It was wonderful because they talked to each other. Mm-hmm. So I had a buffer. I didn't have to, you know, play act, be in her reality. I could I could be on the periphery of the two ladies' realities. So that actually was easier. But it was also kind of hard when other Diane got really paranoid and mom mm-hmm. basically started avoiding her. And then other, other Diane who... When I when she first moved in, I thought she was a a family, a relative. I did not mm. realize she was a resident. Mm. She looked like you know. Yeah, she was pretty. She was pretty coherent. You you. It was hard to tell that. She was in that stage where she could fake it really well. I'm she not could. sure. I'm not sure she actually was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, her hair was done really nice. Her makeup mm-hmm. was done really nice. She had matching clothes. She always looked really. She looked like she had just come from lunch or she whatever. She was really sassy, too. Yes, yeah, she was. I really liked her. And then she's, she started forgetting. She'd say, oh, you know, you, you look familiar. And I'd be like, yeah, it's because I'm her daughter and I'm here every week. No, that's not it, which was funny at first. But she got more and more confused. Until she would, it got to the point she just walked past me. And, it mm-hmm. was, and then the other Diane had been moved in, in my world, abruptly been moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, and nobody ever really knew or told me what the scenario was. Just her daughters decided to move her out. So there was some of those challenges to deal with because, yeah. you know, I was always worried that, you know, mom and other Diane who were like, ugh, for a while they were kind of a, they were a little bit of a terror, the two of them, moving mom's area rug into other Diane's room. And yeah, they were close swapping. Oh yes, and other Diane was and, like what yeah. Se- several, yes. many inches taller, many inches than, taller mom. than mom. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. You know, I did think of a third thing, and this is something that I think that's important, very important, is understand that you don't understand. And when I say that is, just because you live with someone, you love someone, you care about them, and you've been with them a long time, and you know them really well, doesn't mean that you fully understand what they're feeling, what they're going through. Not everything comes out in words. Sometimes it comes out in emotion. And and I know that you dealt with that a lot. But the thing that was important for me to realize, and I, and I still have a hard time with this sometimes, is that I think I understand everything about you. But I realize... <laughs> she laughs. It's, you know, she knows I... But Spoken it's, like a true husband, right, well, guys? But, but, <laughs> but the thing is, I don't. And that's not a bad thing. It's just that, you know, if you realize someone can't actually verbalize how they feel when you're in the situation, like you may how how you were dealing with mom or, you know, how other people, some people can articulate it really well, but sometimes there's feelings there that you just really don't understand what they are. And for me to come in and say, well, I understand how you feel. No, that's not right. That's not right. Because I don't understand it because it's not my mother. I mean, as much as I love mom to death, I mean, this is the person that gave birth to you and 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 that you grew up from a little girl and you remember all these really things that, you know, I didn't know about you for the first 20 years of your life or 19. 20, 19. No, 20. You 20. were 20 when yeah. we met. 
So, Lord, but it's like it's you said, remember just, that underst- just understand that you don't understand. And that, that if, as long as you recognize that, you can be much more of a help to your caregiver by just, you know. Yeah. I think part of it, too, because you, you bring that up, and it's like there's so many mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember just sometimes just being so angry at the world mm-hmm. slash Alzheimer's because, you know, it was bad enough my dad died mm-hmm. when I was 50. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just for context... I don't think the listeners know that I had all four grandparents until I was 31. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a not, I mean, it's 19 years, but it's not a long time between losing the mm-hmm. first grandparent and losing my first parent. But, you know, it was hard enough to have lost my dad. Yeah. But, you know, it was like, why can't my mom be doing the things my mom wanted to do, the things she would have done? Travel, all the stuff that she wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. hang out with the grandkids. Yep. So there was that anger at Alzheimer's and the sadness over that and the sadness that I couldn't talk to my mom about whatever the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. And though she always asked me, well, what have you been up to lately? I never could really tell her because, I mean, I did, but, and, you know, you couldn't have a conversation about yeah. it. And it just, so then you had your feelings that, or at least I had my feelings that projected on her, you know, like being mad at Alzheimer's and her inability to do what she should have been doing. Mm-hmm. And then how I reacted to that and then how I felt for myself. So it's just mm-hmm. like, it was like a whole cauldron of emotions sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I come home and you're like, oh, hell. <laughs> 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 like, dog. Let me make you some tea, honey. Yeah, go, go love on mama because the dog, <laughs> go dog, go. Yeah. <laughs> Which the dogs were always a big help. Yeah, we're. Oh, they always seem to sense when they just needed to like lay on my lap or something. And you know, for golden retrievers, that's a lot of laying oh, on Jinx your lap. Jinx was all about that. He knew your emotions better than the rest of us. Yes. For those who are, have not been around for four plus years, Jinx was our oldest golden. Who was also my appendage. Yes, he was. And we lost mom in March of 2020, and then Jinx in November of 2020. And Jinx's nickname nickname was the Stalker Dog. Yeah. He, he would follow me everywhere. Mm-hmm. There was one time he actually stowed away in the car because it was like, nope, you are not leaving this house without me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just going down the street to meet the contractor for dad because dad's busy. But yeah, I think being flexible really was important. And I don't know how corporate drone people deal with that. Yeah, um, It might have been easier in that respect if you were corporate and I wasn't, but I don't know. We, we haven't been corporate in so long, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we could function in that world. So what would you want to under... Let me see if I can say that properly. Mm. What would you want the caregiver to understand about the role their spouse can have in this situation? Because to be perfectly honest, it kind of... It kind of pricked a little at the heart that you never went and saw my mom. Like, you were really good with her whenever, like... There was one day we were in the emergency room and you texted me. We were in the emergency room because the doctors would, it was the day after Christmas and ugh, don't even get me started on that story. And we were just waiting and waiting and waiting as one does in an ER and you texted me, how's it going? And it was like, I'm about to lose my mind. And you showed up and you just, Sweet talked mom. Yeah, you did. It was so annoying because you were so much better at that with her. <laughs> And she was so much better with you. It was like, you think I'm your best friend, and yet you give me crap, and you're just being all super nice to him who, like, never hangs out with you. It was really frustrating. (laughs) 
My my personality is more more warm and fuzzy than yours. <laughs> I think my mom knew that. I think she she knew what our relationship was, mm-hmm. mother daughter, but she couldn't articulate it mm-hmm. because that you know part of her brain was deceased or whatever. Right. Because she was so good at pushing the same buttons that she was good at pushing when I was a teenager. And I know she didn't do that with her friends. Yeah. But she told everybody, she's my best friend. I've known her forever. Yeah. Which always made me laugh because I'm like, yeah, you think you've known me my entire life maybe? Um. So what would what would you want the caregiver to understand about the role their spouse can have in this situation? Um, I, I you know I would say do everything it is that I talked about it just you know just with a lot more understanding and a lot more a lot more sensitivity. I think there was times I think there was times that I could have been a little bit more sensitive to the situation and I was too wrapped up in I need to take care of this and I need to take care of that. And in, you know, of course, taking care of you, taking care of mom, taking care of everything else. But I was thinking about, okay, I need to get this done, not thinking about what you were feeling at that moment or that time. I have clients that are harassing me right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think... These fool people want me to sell a house for them. I mean, you know, it's like, God forbid I have to make money to support the family. I mean, really? Yeah. Um, But I said, I, I think it's important that you really, really, it's like I said earlier, you just have to listen. You really, really have to listen. And you just have to, a lot of times you just have to sit there and be quiet and let them talk. And not, and not you know, it's like pretty much whatever's going on with you needs to take a second place, especially if you have a parent or someone that you're caring for that is actually difficult to care for. Mom, for the most part, she wasn't easy. Um, I would never say she was easy to take care of. <laughs> she wasn't easy at all her whole life. Well, but no, there are there are people suffering from Alzheimer's and dementias that are. I mean, you've you've talked about people where their parents or their loved ones are just very hostile, very mm-hmm. you know angry, and I I just can't imagine. I I I just can't imagine. I I I keep thinking the the one that the one story that just breaks my heart every time I hear it is about. Um, the one person that you talk about whose mother always was repeating her husband's death every single day. It was Mm -hmm. like her husband was dying every day and she was going through that emotion every day and being her caregiver. I just can't imagine listening to that. I I don't think you could get numb to that after a certain period of time. Um, I think that's something that just wears you down little by little by little by little. Um, you know, and, and as, as your person, as your caregiver is wearing down, you have to be there to build them back up. That's that's your role. That's basically what it is. So you you would advocate advocate that the person supporting the person doing the caregiving, right, should probably also have a support person taking care of them. Yeah, it's like a definite village needed. It, it's here. a definite village. It is. I mean, you know, I mean, there that that is definitely true. That really is. Because, I mean, you know, my mom had Alzheimer's for 20 years, which mm-hmm. I have only talked to two people who have yeah. surpassed that, Yeah, which freaks me the heck out. And mom probably would have lasted another couple years. Yeah, if she hadn't broken her leg. Yeah. So, you know, we were, we were definitely on the above average expanse of the disease. We were on the one foot on the banana peel. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It felt like that forever. It did. 
It did. And I think it was just because I think I think as mom continued to deteriorate, it just got harder and harder for us to watch. It really did. You know, I always say this, you know, I, I always say that if mom knew what she was like, <laughs> she, she would have she she killed us. She would have killed not, us for not. She would have buried us somewhere and no one would be able to find us. I mean, it would just wouldn't have been that bad. I mean, because she didn't want to live that way. And she was deathly afraid of it. Mm-hmm. She was because she saw what was happening to her own mother. Yep. So I, I can't imagine, you know, you, you're looking at your mom and you're going, okay, this is what I'm going to be like, in, you know, 10 years or wherever it was. I could imagine. I could totally understand my mom was scared about that. But yeah, no, I, I think it's important that the caregiver supporter needs to have that support as well. So back in the, uh, again, the, the before times, there was, um, and I have to be cautious in my, my personal support group, not the one that I facilitate now, um, two gentlemen showed up and basically one had been through caregiving and now his friend was going through it. So his friend basically took him to the support group, but he went with him in solidarity Mm -hmm. and I'm sure he probably got a little bit of support himself even though he was post caregiving right and i always you know this wasn't terribly long before 2020 happened to the world and i i really admired that because you know most caregivers are women even though most women are the ones that have alzheimer's Mm -hmm. so there's some sort of some sort of high functioning math i cannot do with those numbers you math really (laughs) yes we know why you deal with the checkbook mostly because i just don't want to but I was just so admired that he did that for his friend. You well, know, I think, it just didn't seem like something guys would normally do either. Well, and I and I get that because, you know, think about it this way. You know, there are a lot of people that I, you know, I'll tell people that what you do and, oh, I'm dealing with such and such. And I've had this person with dementia or this person. And the minute I give them, hand them your card or say, you know, there's a support group here in town, blah, blah, blah. You, you would have thought I handed them a pot of gold. You know, because I don't, I, I just feel that a lot of caregivers feel so isolated, they don't realize that there's help out there for them. And if there is, or if they know about it, they don't feel, not that they're not worthy to get help, but they just feel like... Just one more thing to one do. One more thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, that was the best choice that I made, was to go to the Alzheimer's support group. And my very So my very first month was November of 2017, mm-hmm. and I felt very supported and very... Like, I got a warm fuzzy that mm-hmm. month. And then the next month, I felt like I had been able to give people some support and some answers. And so having those months back-to-back like that was, you know, it was like, this is definitely this is definitely the place I need to be. Mm-hmm. And then it was right after that, I probably after that December support group, that I got the bright idea to start my own podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and then I was thinking about it in the middle of all of this that we were dealing with, and I decided to run for city council in 2018. And it was almost like I I just remembered that. I can't even, I can't even, I totally had forgotten about that. We've had a wild few years. Yeah. I'm hoping that if we're going to have the, another wild few years, that they're wild in a more positive manner. They will be. <laughs> Trust me. We've been working towards that. That we have. So one of the challenges that I had with you and we'll address this and then maybe i'll let you go deal with whatever real estate stuff you got to deal with this afternoon oh goodness this is marriage therapy now no (laughs) (laughs) no that's a different podcast oh lord (laughs) is there were times when i'd obviously be feeling very blue 
after visiting with mom and I'd wake up the next day and I'd still feel like I was Eeyore with the, the dark cloud over my head. And, mm-hmm. and your brilliant solution was to tell me, just don't go visit this week. Yes, he's, he's hanging his head in shame. We're not videoing this because it's too complicated <laughs> without without the Zoom link. I, I yes, I did say that. And Obviously, I think, you've learned better now. I've learned better, but it, it's one of those things where, and this, this is all about you. It wasn't about my feelings about, you know, see mom and all that. It was just like, it was just like, take a break. And what I realized later was or realize now is it wasn't about taking a break it was mom's quality of life and this is what i have left and you know it's hard it's really hard it was hard it was ooh, get emotional (laughs) Um, it was hard watching you go through this from my perspective, um, it you know I know everyone deals with with their situation with their you know with their loved ones and and everybody has everybody can f- tap into this emotion but you know I just the one thing that everybody knows about me is that I try to fix everything that it's in my DNA if yep. it's broken I'll try and fix it and even I if felt, it's not broken even he if tries it's not broken it. I try to fix it but. <laughs> What was hard for me was, in this whole situation, was I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do it. And it wasn't my fault. It really wasn't. It was this horrible disease, you know. And and I was just watching how it was wearing on you. And and you, I, 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 I say this over and over again, even before all of this happened, you were the strongest woman I have ever met in my entire life. You, you can handle anything. And even and though this is... We can stop testing the, that. Yeah, please. Um <laughs> But I think that going through this whole process, I think now that you're on the other side, and especially, again, I'm going to start getting emotional, what you've done for all of these people through this podcast, it just shows me every single day how much, how proud I am of you and what you've done for everybody. So. Well, let's talk about one last little thing. Oh, God. March 31st, 2020. I mean, I know what I've told the audience, you know, that mom broke her leg and I saw her the 12th, the 14th and the 16th. Mm-hmm. And then we were shut out. And then I saw her the day before she died. Mm-hmm. And, and then we all ended up there the day she died, but we didn't get there in time. What was going through your head that day? Cause I'm not sure I've ever asked that. And it's been over two years. Lord, um, I might've asked at some point, but I think there was a couple things. I, I'm, I would be lying if I said it was a relief. That, you no, know, she wasn't, that she wasn't suffering anymore. I mean, that's number one. Um, number two was, and I, and I, and I, I know this is, it wasn't about me. This, this is the thought it was, I was thinking about Laura. Mm. I really was. That's our daughter for those of you who are new to this, uh, this little, little podcast thing here. Because she hadn't seen, she came to see mom. And I knew that was probably her, one of the hardest things that she had to do. Yeah. I felt the same way for my niece, mm-hmm. who was um, 14 and a half. Yeah. And because she wasn't sure she wanted to go in and see yeah. my mom, her yeah. grandmother. 
who was gone. Yeah. Um, there are times I actually wish I hadn't because she looked so much like the day before. Mm-hmm. But I knew that she wasn't with us anymore. And that, I mean, literally this was at the start of the pandemic. So everything was turmoil. Yeah. And it was just, who. Well, we didn't, we didn't have a time. This is going to, this is going to sound, considering all the poor people that got this horrible disease and died and everything, this is going to sound terrible. But it's just like, because of that, we didn't have a proper grieving. Mm -mm. I felt. Oh, no, I I still feel that way. Yeah. We didn't have a proper opportunity to grieve and to honor mom in the end. And, you know, I just, I feel like COVID took that away from us. And I know that sounds really selfish and it could sound childish. I don't, you know, quite honestly, I don't care. But I just, I think that it didn't have, it didn't have the finality it should have. No. The closure. And I still think to this day, I still think that there's a little bit of that, that we still don't quite have that closure. I mean, for, you know, she's still here. Yeah. So, um, Not put her in the niche with we dad. haven't put her in the niche with dad, and that's been the blue, the red tape that we have to deal with with the Veterans Administration because that's where dad's interred family, family. But you know, it, it's I think that was I think it was just the finality of it, the relief. I was thinking about Laura, and I really didn't think about how I felt about the whole thing. I think it was like two weeks later when I finally took him, I stopped and thought about it and cried and you know it was it was it was not it was i I think the fact that it happened right at the start of covid and i mean you went i mean we went from having you know i used to go visit mom on mondays after rotary and now rotary was via zoom in the house and we weren't going anywhere or doing anything everything was confusing well our whole lives were taken away from us for a while. For well, a while, I've worked, yeah. I've worked from home forever, so well, it, it only just felt like it's not going the, to going it's, to the grocery store well, wasn't an option. No, anymore. it wasn't. It wasn't just about what we did work wise. I think it was just like you know everything was just everything stopped. Yeah, it was. It wild. was like mom died, and 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 the whole world just stopped. It stopped, but it was sort of like business as usual the next day. April first was like okay, yeah. you know we're we're sitting at home, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. It it just. When my dad died, people brought food and sent cards and flowers. Mm, we had my a service. We had the oh. family came up. We, you know, there was a bunch of people there. I mean. Well, when my mom died, we had one one friend bring them. I mean, they basically said, we're doing X and we're going to bring you food later. Mm-hmm. And they brought food and they brought an entire meal, drinks and everything. Mm-hmm. And flowers, and we got one card. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and and I don't. Everybody s- was dealing with a lot of stuff though. Then right, that's what I was going to yeah. say. It, it wasn't there. It wasn't that our friends didn't do anything. It was just that everybody was dealing. I mean, we couldn't. You know, how do we get stuff? That's you true. go to the grocery store. There was nothing on the shelves. True. I mean, you know, it just really felt like you said, like there wasn't closure. It was like anticlimactic. She died. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Exactly. That's, I still feel like yeah. that's what happened. And yeah. You know, it is what it is, mm-hmm. but you know, it's it's been wild ride. <laughs> I'm ready for the kitty roller coaster, please. <laughs> oh, we got a dog snoring down here. So, do you have a last piece of advice for somebody who is one step removed from caregiving, like a spouse or a best friend or whatever? <sighs> Gosh. Put me on the spot here. Curveball. Yeah. Um, 
you have to really try and do your best to put yourself in that person's situation. And you really have to understand that things are going to be chaos, things are going to be crazy, and you just need to be, you know, it's like you have to be that rock in the middle of the storm. Mm -hmm. That person needs to be able to come back and sit on your rock and know that they're going to be okay for whatever amount of time it is. I think that's I, I think that's at the core of being a supporter of a caregiver is, you know, you're just you're getting battered by the sea. You're you're that safe port. You're that rock that someone can sit on for a while and go, okay, I'm going to be all right. And the one thing I've learned from all my social media interactions is, it's beneficial if you can say, hey, I know you dealt with your mom today or yesterday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going over to the grocery store. Do you need me to pick up anything? Exactly. Or make a suggestion. Don't mm-hmm. don't ask. What, what do you need? Because they can't they can't think about what they're trying to think about. Well, or you're going to get the absolute vomitous answer of you know I need the world to go away and Alzheimer's to exactly. be cured, and you're going to get this deluge of yeah. a verbal attack that you were not prepared for. Yeah. And my suggestion would be to learn. You know, and this is for all caregivers, but. Even if you are not, you know, like if you stumbled across, stumbled on this episode today somehow by accident and you aren't a caregiver, you st- our society still needs to learn about this disease, about dementias mm-hmm. and, and what, it, what it really truly means. Because that is one of the reasons I started this podcast is that Alzheimer's and other dementias are not just memory loss. Mm-mm. And the, most of the people listening to this probably know that. But maybe their friends don't. And it's, or, you know, the spouse, I'm sure, does. But Mm -hmm. maybe if you can help educate your friends, take the dogs for a walk. You know, Mm -hmm. go for a walk. If you don't have dogs, go for a walk anyway. Mm -hmm. It's good for you. And explain to them what it is that's happening. And Mm -hmm. that way, if, if, when it happens to them, you know, they know that they can talk to you and they've, they've been educated and, you know, we just we just need to talk about this more because at the very beginning, when my mom started going down this path, which was the very beginning of the two thousands, which like blows my mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> seems like so long ago. People didn't talk about it, Mm-mm. and you, out of respect for your loved one, you didn't really, you didn't just blurt it out to the world. Yeah, my mom's got Alzheimer's. Woo. Well, there was back then. There was still a lot of shame. Well, there, there wasn't was. social media either. And there wasn't social media. That's true. But I think there was there was still that that shame of. Of, you know, losing your mind and, and not, you know, and losing control. And I think I, I'm just saying because I, I think that's how mom felt. Oh, I agree. So. And I think we've come a long way on destigmatizing mm-hmm. Alzheimer's and dementia Absolutely. and other, you know, mental health struggles, you know, bipolar, schizophrenic, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, brains are crazy, fascinating organ. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned frequently that if I was half my age and had double the uh, aptitude for science, I'd go into brain research because it is fascinating, but it would be way over my head. So I just have to keep doing this little podcast here. Which you do very well. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. This has been fun. I haven't done an in-person podcast since uh, 2018. Dear, since before I started using Zoom, yeah. which was September of 2018. Yeah, this was fun. This has been a long, it's been a long time. Who's making dinner? <laughs> Is it leftovers night? No. <laughs> 
Well, thank you very much for joining me here in the uh, podcasting office, craft room, studio with the dog sleeping on her back on the couch as usual. You're welcome. And yeah. I love you. <laughs> thank you. And I hope I hope this was beneficial. I hope you guys were entertained by our crazy life. And I hope that John could provide a little bit of um, insight mm-hmm. to what maybe your, your spouse, partner, friend, whatever, mm-hmm. your rock person might be going through. Be the rock. So thank you. We've all heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, which is true. But we don't talk about the village we need to build as a community and as a nation and as a world to take care of people living with some form of dementia. I hope this little insight into how we dealt with it, how John felt his role was in taking care of me while I took care of my mom. I hope you find it entertaining because we can be a lot of fun but also informational and inspirational because that is the whole point of these podcasts. And I'm trying to bring more of my personal story to these episodes to share them with you. And now a quick sample of what you'll be getting in next week's episode. Trying to follow your loved one down this path into dementia, it's completely uncharted. And as soon as you think you've got it, you don't. And as soon as you think you've, you know, steered them in one direction, they switch and they just, keep you off balance the whole time. And I think that's what we've, as caregivers, we we all have that one thing in common, this general unbalance of our certainty with our loved ones. Thank you for listening today. And once again, we'll be back in your ears next Tuesday. Please check out our sponsors and help support our show. Do you worry about your own brain health? Are you concerned that cognitive decline is just inevitable in your future. We all know we need to eat right, sleep, exercise, minimize stress, all of that. Did you also know that there are 17 nutrients that our brains are generally lacking even if we have the healthiest diet possible? Yeah, I didn't either and I wasn't thrilled to learn that. But ever since I started taking NeuroReserves Relevate, I had a miraculous discovery. My sugar cravings plummeted. We all know that sugar is toxic for the brain, so this was totally worth maintaining taking NeuroReserves, and I want to give you the opportunity to give them a try as well. Use my special link that you can find at the bottom of the show notes or on our website for 15% off one bottle or a subscription of NeuroReserve. You're not going to get a better deal anywhere else. Trust me, your brain is worth a few extra dollars a month.